Good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church. And I just want to start this morning with a question that I actually want you to answer. Do you want the good news first or the bad news first this morning? Okay. How about I sandwich it? How about good news, bad news, good news? Does that sound okay? All right. Pull out your phones right now. Pull them out. Do you have plans for Christmas Eve yet? Yeah, you just got some, okay? December 24th at 3.30 and 5.30 p.m., Horizon Church is going to host Christmas Eve services at our new home, Panorama Bowling Alley. It is going to be, yes, yes. We are going to celebrate the promise of God being with us always by meeting in a space that we have prayed for and longed for to be in. It's going to be renovated and amazing. The lights are going to be able to dim from like one switch. We're not going to have to be running behind curtains at, uh, at, at Wilson Middle School. It's going to be awesome to worship Jesus, to light candles and to proclaim this, that the hope and fear of all the years the hopes that you will bring with you from, from this year, the fear, the, the worst fears that you could ever imagine, some of which maybe even came true this year, the hopes and fears of all the years will be met in thee tonight. We're going to sing it. We're going to pray it. We're going to proclaim it. That, that just because of Jesus, all darkness, the darkest things we could ever imagine, will never have more power than the light that God has offered to us through Jesus. We get to proclaim that together. Is that good news, guys? Y'all like the good news? All right, now the bad news. That's all y'all waiting for. The bad news is that's the first time we're going to be able to worship together at uh, as Horizon Church in the bowling alley. So um, there, there's a little bit more bad news. This space that we've been meeting in has been gifted to us for free. We've been allowed to meet here free of charge because of rights. So next time you ha need to meet somebody for lunch, where are you going to tell them to meet you? Right. Next time you need a birthday cake. Is this even hard, y'all? Where are you going to order a birthday cake from? <laughs> this isn't even hard work, right? Let's just make sure that we show them how much we appreciate the opportunity we've had to worship here. But this is, we're headed into, they're headed into their busiest season of the year, catering and sending cakes and all that stuff out. So our last Sunday that we can be here is November 13th, okay? So... You know, November 13th to December 24th, just a few weeks in between. So we are going biblical, and we are going to meet in a tent on the parking lot of Panorama. Our Advent um, theme was already decided years ago. It, we decided that it was going to be called, the message series was going to be, In Thy Dark Street Shineth. So we are literally going to meet in the street, and we are going to proclaim the light of Jesus. We're going to learn about it, explore it, hear about what it is. I don't know if y'all have been reading the same Christmas story I did. But Jesus didn't come in a perfectly clean and manicured sanctuary with the lights all perfect and everything outside perfect. Jesus came in the midst of a crazy, chaotic, scared, fearful, loud world. And we will, on Christmas, leading up to Christmas, we are going to just sit in the middle of that world and we are going to find and seek and hear what it is Jesus has to say for us and prepare for us in this season. Okay, y'all got it? Now... All of you also know somebody who's lived some sad, chaotic, loud life this year and who needs to know about the hope and light of Jesus. So I hope you didn't just put 3.30 and 5.30 on your calendar. I hope you've thought right now, three to five people you are going to invite. Y'all, they get to be a part of history. 
Jesus was born in a stable and we're going to make him be born again in a bowling alley. Who's that? Like, who gets to do that? This is history, guys. And you get to be a part of it. So I hope you're getting excited about what it is God's going to do in us and through us and that you are going to be a part of history. Okay? Y'all in this with me? Thank you for bouncing around all over the place with us for the last four years. You know, I, this morning, um, I wasn't going to share this. Kate was sharing with Braden that we were going to, you know, have to meet outside. The kids are going to get to meet. This, it'll be, a, it's 90% sure right now, so we're just going to keep on proclaiming it. But uh, they're going to probably meet at the Chick-fil-A. The kid, Horizon kids will meet in Chick-fil-A, so they'll be a little more contained. You know, Del Mabry and Marlin, the corner of that's probably not the best place for kids to be running free, so we're going to have them in an enclosed um, space. But we were, I was talking about it, and her son, Braden, who's in fifth grade, overheard. And, you know, I left, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to be like, Mom, I can't believe we got to do something else again. And you know what he told her as I walked off? God always prepares a place for us. God always has a place for us. And in 10 years, when that kid goes off to college, there's going to be some moment when his life falls apart, and he's going to know that God met him in a Chick-fil-A and in a dining room at Wright's and in a middle school cafeteria and wherever else he was in life because God is always preparing us for something. Let the kids preach more, right? Let, let it be so. So the good news is, even in all of this bouncing around, we are forming kids and adults who know the truth of God that maybe we wouldn't know if we had some fancy sanctuary to meet in. And that is God always shows up right in the midst of wherever we are and whatever we're going through to shine light and ignite change in our lives. And he asks us, those of you in this room, you're all heroes, guys. He asks you to roll up your sleeves and shine his light and ignite his change in the places where it's dark and lonely and hard for other people. You are not here this morning by accident. You predecided this morning to be here to worship, and God is going to meet us here and do something in us and through us that we've never, ever experienced before. So I'd love to tell you that that's how I lived my life this week, but when I got that news on Tuesday that we weren't going to get to be in the bowling alley on time, I may have thrown an adult temper tantrum and just decided to shut down life for the rest of the week. Anybody ever done this? You don't have to raise your hand. Um, Actually, raise your hand. Make me feel better. Anybody here ever thrown an adult temper tantrum? Thank you. Thank you. And so I got to learn this term this week, right, as I threw my adult temper tantrum. We were talking about finishing this, you know, this is the last message in this series, Predecide. We have predecided that we are going to finish. And so I thought about just not showing up today or ever again because things weren't going my way. And then I had to study a message to tell you all about finishing. And I'm like, ah, thank you, God, for like just you know, driving this one home because we are what? We're ready, we are consistent, maybe not in how we meet, but that we are meeting together and that we do praise and worship um, the God who shines light and ignites change in our lives. We are devoted, we are generous, we are faithful, and we are a finisher because God has been all these things in us and is forming us to be like Jesus. And Jesus finished things for us. So I learned this term... Um, Actually, when I was leading the young women's Bible study, they're all on this these apps, um, Hinge, Tinder. Anybody heard of these apps? Thank you, Jesus, that I, my dating stage was before these apps came along because I would not know how to navigate them. But anyway, you, like, get pictures and you swipe left or right. Am I telling this right? Is anybody on these apps? Okay. <laughs> so you, like, swipe left or right. And then this person, like, these people, like, get a match and then you, like, agree you're going to meet up somewhere and 
you maybe meet for the first date and then you don't hear from them anymore. There's a term for that. Does anybody know this term? Ghosting. Y'all are good. Y'all know this. Ghosting. So I heard about this term ghosting and um, my mom used it on me again this week when I said, hey, mom, I'm just going to drive and spend the weekend in Sandy Ridge and I'm like maybe going to just live there and not go back to church because I can't figure out where we're going to meet. And she's like, you can't ghost your church. I was like, mom, you're 65. Why are you using the word ghost? But um, it made me start to think about how many times in life we ghost, right? We quit before the miracle. We stop showing up and we miss out on the abundant and good things that God has for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how we quit ghosting and how we start to show up to the abundant and full life that God has for us in Jesus. Some of y'all are like, I'm not on Bumble or Tinder. I don't need to listen to this message. I'm going to go ahead and start making my grocery list for the week because I'm now an older millennial and that's what we do. Um, it, that is ghosting. God has asked you to be fully and completely present here and now. And there's going to be lots of opportunities this week where you can just partially show up to something and your mind be in 9,000 different places. Your relationships, your family, your friendships, your job, your faith. There are going to be moments where you can just ghost, pass on through getting up in the morning and spending a long time with God. You can just ghost on through, pass on through, not completely show up at work or, or say something rude to somebody or not be the, the ethical and, and human being with integrity that God has asked you to be. You can just ghost and not show up to that role this week. You can just quit talking to people. You can just ghost on the life that God had for, has for you. Or we're going to learn this morning how we can show up. Show up to the abundant and full life that God has for us. So since nothing else worked out my way this week, I decided we we're just going to read the resurrection story this morning, Luke chapter 24. I think it's the first time in the history of the world the resurrection story has been read in October um, in, in a Christian church because we usually just read it at Easter, but it's the best story ever told. I don't know why we only do it one week, so we're going to do it today, okay? Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the very first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb because Jesus had been crucified and died and was laid in a tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. It wasn't covering the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Yes, it's Halloween, but Jesus ghosted these people, guys. Jesus ghosted them. So let's figure out what happens even when um, it appears that we've been ghosted. They were wondering about this. Why did Jesus ghost us, right? Suddenly, Two men in clothes. So be careful on that next time somebody ghosts you. You're like, why they, why they ghost me? Two men might show up for the next one. Suddenly two men. And <laughs> that was funny, y'all. <laughs> that was really funny. All right. While they were wondering what in the world has happened, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright and fear, being scared, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Sometimes we ghost people because we don't actually know what it is that we're looking for. He says, He's not here. He has risen. He hasn't ghosted you. He has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee? 
The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. He didn't ghost us, he thought. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others, so to the disciples, the closest friends and followers who had followed Jesus. They came back and they told him all these things and his friends. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others that were with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I'll preach a whole sermon on that at another time. But <laughs> Peter, however, Peter, he got up and he ran to the tomb. He bent over, and he saw the strips of linen lying to themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, what has happened? We pray with me? God, for those of us who this morning feel a lot like Peter, we look at our lives and we think, what in the world is happening? I pray. I pray for your abundant and full life to show up for us this morning. For those of us who are like the women who have seen something that we can't even believe and we don't even know how to tell people or where to start anymore, God, I pray. I pray that you'll give us clarity of, of mind and clarity of, of speech, that we'll be able to speak clearly what it is you're doing and invite others to be a part of it. And for those of us that are somewhere in between, just show us, God, how to, keep, how to quit ghosting and to start showing up to the full and abundant life that you have for us. Amen. Ghosting is painful. It's hard. All of a sudden, things are just automatically cut off in your life, and you don't know why. There was this moment, right, where the women got there, and they're like, we feel like we've been ghosted. Has that happened in your life? How has that happened in your life? Maybe it wasn't a romantic relationship, but it was something else. Something just cut off without any explanation or any understanding. Anybody experienced that in your life? This is why we ghost. If somebody has ghosted on you, here are some reasons why you ghost. Number one is we ghost to avoid stress. We don't want to be stressed out and scared for telling you something hard. We don't show up to things completely and fully because we do not want to be stressed out and worried and nervous. Life is hard enough without continuing to show up to places where we are stressed. Where in your life are you stressed? And where is it causing you not to show up fully? Where are you ghosting to avoid stress? Think about it for a second. Where are you ghosting to avoid stress? I almost didn't come today because I was like, I just don't want to avoid the stress of having to tell our church we're going to move again before we get to move in to the bowling alley. But I showed up fully. And you know what every single person has said? They spoke just like Braden has. God always prepares a place for us. We, ha we tell ourselves these stories in our heads and in our minds that what we're going to experience is the worst case scenario every single time. So we do everything we can to avoid that stress and that pain. We ghost to avoid shame. We're embarrassed of what it is we need to show up to. We don't feel worthy to stand in the places where God has asked us to be. We don't, we don't feel confident to share that we're not perfect and we don't have it all together. We ghost. We don't show up fully to our lives because we would do anything in the world to avoid shame. I had somebody this week say, every time I walk in Buddy Brew, somebody else is sharing their life's dreams with you. Why do you think we don't live our life's dreams? And I said, because we, we do not want to be shamed. We don't want to experience shame in our lives. There is something God has asked you to do, 
and you are not showing up fully and completely to it because you want to avoid shame and embarrassment in front of others. We don't show up to things because we would do anything in the world to avoid shame. We ghost to avoid clarity. This one makes no sense to me, but I am the best at it. I can swim around in ambiguity all day long. I love not knowing exactly what it is I'm facing. And you know what that's done? It's not made it clear what, what, what Horizon's future is. It's not made it clear to my family what our mission as a family is. It's not made it clear in my marriage what it is we need and desire from one another. It's made it a- ambiguous in my friendships. I, I show up sometimes to coffee and then I don't show up other times. It's, it, I've ghosted to avoid clarity being really clear about who it is and what God is asking us to do because it's more comfortable to not know what's going on or what's ahead because then we don't have to deal with the stress or the shame, right? So we swim around in ambiguity. We ghost to avoid clarity in our lives. What is it that you aren't clear about right now? Is it your role at work? Is it a relationship? Is it your, your relationship with your family? What is it that you aren't clear about? And how is that keeping you from showing up fully to the life God has for you. We ghost to avoid clarity. The men in this situation, what did they do? They stayed in bed because they didn't want to have to get up and face the fact that their Lord and Savior and best friend had died. We'll just stay in bed. A, a few a few days later, they locked themselves in a room to not have to deal with a world absent of Jesus, they think. He, he's not ever really gone. We go to great lengths. We go to great lengths to avoid clarity. They don't even believe the women, right? When they come, you can't be telling the truth. We go to great lengths to avoid clarity. And here's what happens. We, those women walked through streets full of people who didn't know the greatest news ever. But the pain and shame and noise and stress and chaos of their lives did not have more power than the Jesus who could redeem them and restore them. The pain, the grief, the ugliness of life, it no longer had power. The fear, the blocks, the walls, the things that keep us from living into who it is God really wants us to be. They walked past people on the streets who were ghosting their own lives, who weren't showing up completely to themselves or to the people around them because they didn't know the good news. Because of Jesus, you don't have to live like that anymore. So they went off and they told his closest friends and followers, surely they'll believe us. Surely they'll believe us. And I want you to hear what happens when we, when we face the things that we're supposed to. When we, when we actually finish, when we finish telling the good news, they didn't keep this good news in their hearts because they were afraid what people would believe about them. They didn't keep this this secret that Jesus had risen again. They didn't keep it to avoid having to be thrown in jail and 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 experience shame and embarrassment. They didn't keep it in. They finished what it is God had asked them to do. They went and told other people about it, and they told those boys, hey, y'all better figure out how to finish building this kingdom that God has set up for us through Jesus because finishing the job claims peace in the face face of stress and fear and pain. In the face of stress and fear and pain, finishing claims peace. I I read uh, a quote this week. I read a thing about why people are so stressed and why we avoid it. And people are stressed not because of what they need to finish, but because they never actually finish what it is they start. 
Think of the unfinished business in your life. Think of the things you haven't completely told somebody else. Think of the friendships you walked away from because it's too hard to have the hard conversation. Think of the marriages some people walk away from. Think of the jobs people walk away from. Think of the things around your house that we walk away from because we, we just keep the to-do list going, right? And we never actually finish or complete something and it stresses us out. We're all living stressed out and anxious. Finishing what it is that God has set before you claims peace. This, I'm not asking you to go retire tomorrow. That's not what we're asking you to do. I'm just asking you to finish what it is that you start. It gives a sense of peace deep in your soul that you are longing for. And it, it keeps you from ghosting to avoid all the stress in your life, just all the unfinished business. Just finish what it is God has asked you to do. I'm not saying it's going to be nice and easy to do it. Sometimes it's going to, it's going to take a hard conversation. It's going to cause you to have to do something kind of hard. But finishing it claims peace. God, Jesus isn't here. I don't know what to do. And the women believed the men there that, that Jesus was out right, raising again, creating this like new power in the world, right? And we believed that and it claimed peace in their lives and, and in a time where they were like confused and worried and anxious and didn't know what to do. Finishing what it is God's asked you to do claims peace. Those of you in the stay-at-home mom stage, those of you in, in a certain stage at, at your work where you're trying to balance family and stuff, and you're like, I just want to finish this stage before you start striving for the next one. It'll give you peace. Be okay with what it is God's asked you to finish right where you are. Finishing claims peace. The, our greatest story, the resurrection story, the greatest story us Christians have to, to, to form our lives and, and to, to, the greatest thing that we own, it tells us that if you finish... It gives us peace. Finishing claims peace in the face of stress and fear. Finishing claims forgiveness. The reason we don't fully show up is because we're so afraid of the shame that we carry around in our lives. And forgiveness frees us from all that shame. Somebody else has ghosted you. Forgiveness releases you from that pain that they have inflicted over you. Forgiveness sort of releases that. It releases that. Finishing claims forgiveness in a world completely bogged down by shame and guilt and pain. Finishing claims forgiveness. I forgive you. Gives mercy even where it's not deserved. That doesn't mean you walk back into unhealthy and toxic relationships. That is not what I'm asking. Be finished with that. We just talked about that, right? Be finished with that. But claim forgiveness. That way you treated me no longer has power in my life because God has set me free through Jesus Christ and I will walk in a new way. Claim forgiveness. Finishing claims forgiveness. They don't need to come to you and apologize for you to forgive them. You have that power. You want peace? Give some forgiveness. Finishing claims forgiveness. It's the last thing Jesus did on the cross. I forgive you, he says. Release it. Release it. Finishing claims forgiveness, and it lets go of the shame and pain that we're all dragging around. Finishing claims clarity. Finishing claims clarity. In a world where we love ambiguity, it says clearly this, is what, this isn't the greatest situation ever. 
worshiping God under a tent on the corner of Dale, Mabry, and Gandy is not like the best news ever. But at least I'm not swimming around the week before trying to figure out where we're going to meet, right? I know for certain where we are going to meet the five weeks leading up to Christmas. It is going to be on a parking lot under a tent, and we are going to proclaim and live into and, and hold on to the light of Jesus, finishing Sticking with it, not throwing an adult temper tantrum in the middle of my week gave us clarity. And it gives us power to move forward in life. If there is anybody in the world who does not need to be ghosting and just halfway showing up to things in the world, it is followers of Jesus. It is followers of Jesus. Because we follow a Jesus who said, yes, the systems and the injustice in this world is heavy and it, and it is chain-ridden and it is ugly and it is terrible. That is true. But God has a new way of doing things, Jesus says, and he finished it no matter the cost. He walked all the way to the cross and he trusted God to finish what it is he started and he was raised again above all of that mess. If there is anybody in the world who should be the best at finishing what it is we start, it's us. It's us. I know. I know what I've asked some of you in this room to do for four years. I've kept asking you to show up when I've not always had the, the clearest idea of where we've headed, but I've known clearly and, and, and deep in my bones that God's asked us to shine light and ignite change in this community. And everybody's sitting in these seats even when you didn't always trust exactly where it was we're going, you've, stood, you've, you've showed up. And we get to finish. We get to keep being the church of Jesus Christ in a world where people have a bunch of unfinished business and a bunch of ambiguity and mess because of it. We get to finish. There are some of you in this room who when I started this, you know people who ghosted you, who just didn't show up, who just didn't show up for you. And that pain has written the story of your life and everything you go into, that's what you think. These people are just going to leave me or this is going to happen. There is a new story because of Jesus. There's a new story because of Jesus. And we ought to be telling people about it. I have one, one homework assignment. I was a seventh grade teacher long enough to give some homework assignments once in a while. I have one homework assignment for you all. I want you to to decide what's one thing that you have unfinished business in. What's one thing, one hard thing you haven't faced, one thing you haven't completed, what's one piece of unfinished business that you have, and how can you finish it this week so that you can claim peace in a world that's noisy and chaotic and fearful. So you can claim the power of forgiveness and grace and mercy in a world that denies it at every turn. We say, no, we know something more powerful. Claim clarity in a world that likes ambiguity. This week I was at a book club, and one of my friends who is agnostic and will tell you she is agnostic, she, um, we're sitting around talking, and she says, my friend Mary, I told Mary I was going to tell you all this story, my friend Mary just told me something. She's been looking for years for a church, and she said she found a church, and it's all of us women around, and she starts like saying it kind of like, you know, if you're looking for a boyfriend or something, you'd be like, it checks all the boxes. So she's like, it checks all her boxes, and I'm like, this is great, but she's telling us this, she's telling all of us in this book club, none of whom go to our church, she's telling them like, Mary has found her church, and you know what? Mary didn't find her church. Mary showed up here. 
She had the courage and the bravery to bring all of who she was to church. And then you know what she did? She said, this isn't enough to just hang out and watch what Jesus is doing in worship. I'm going to show up to a small group and I'm going to get surrounded by a group of people who will help me get clear about what it is God wants to do in my life and what it is God's calling me. So every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, Mary and a small group of women in our church meet together and they read the Bible and they get really clear about what it is God is doing in their lives and what it is God is calling them to. Mary didn't stop there. She said, if I want my kids to know about this Jesus that I believe in that shines light and ignites change, I need to help. So you can find Mary every single Sunday cleaning up the kids' space or finding other ways to shuffle shuffle around food so that people in our community who are hungry can get it. Because you don't halfway show up to things. Guys, we finish. We fully show up to the abundant and good life God has for us. Is there fireworks and amazing things that happen in our life every single night? Is Jesus like, thank you, Mary, for serving. Thank you, Mary, for being committed to your church. No, but every single night she goes to bed with a peace and a calmness that she's not experienced in years. We're not perfect, but somebody here this morning needs to take a step into finishing what it is God's asked you to do and follow Jesus. It is time for you to let God shine light and ignite change in your life and let him finish what it is he started when he created you to use you to shine light and ignite change in a world desperate for it. Will you pray with me? God, over these people, I pray. I pray that the world will find them ready and consistent, devoted and faithful. And God, I pray that you will give them the strength and the courage and grace to finish it, finish what it is they started. Step by step by step. We love you, God, and we thank you that you saw us worthy, worthy of your finishing love and goodness to be offered through Jesus Christ. Amen.